Before I jump into this podcast, I have to warn you, it's not my best audio recording. Unfortunately, I'm a one-woman show when it comes to the podcast. I like it to be very conversational, so I often record these in my home in the evening after the kids have gone to bed or you know when things have quieted down, and I like to just chat with you. I don't do this in a quote-unquote sound studio, and I don't have anyone here who's engineering the sound for me. I'd like it to be very organic. Because of that, tonight, today, as you're listening to the podcast, you'll hear this kind of clicking sound once I get going. And that, if you're wondering what that noise is, my laptop was pressed up against the table where my microphone was sitting. And as I move around when I talk, which apparently I do a lot, my laptop was hitting the microphone stand. And so you'll hear this constant clicking and hopefully it'll just turn into white noise and you won't even notice it. And you'll just Pay attention to the content of our conversation. I hope so. And in the meantime, I promise, I promise, I promise that won't happen again. I'll fix it. I swear. I love you. And thanks for being so forgiving. Off to the show. Welcome to this edition of The Shalene Show. Today, we will address what it takes to finish what you started. If you are one of those people who jumps from project to project, leaving things halfway finished, you are in luck because this episode is for you. Welcome to The Shalene Show. Shalene is a New York Times bestselling author, celebrity fitness trainer, and obsessed with helping you live your dream life. I hated every minute of training, but I said, don't quit. Finish your training and live the rest of your life as a champion. Muhammad Ali. I love that quote and I have it on a framed piece of art that's a picture of Muhammad Ali standing over somebody I should probably know. And he's clearly knocked him out. And that's the quote underneath his photo, you know, knocking his competitor out. And I kept that picture in my workout room for many years, especially on the days and nights when I didn't feel like working on choreography and I didn't feel like putting together workouts and I didn't feel like finishing what it was I had started. But I would read his quote and it would remind me that I needed to finish it. And that's important for someone like me because I like to quit. I have quit things all my life. Up until like my mid-20s, I quit everything. Everything I started, I eventually quit. And I would usually quit because I figured out or I realized there was somebody better or I wasn't going to be that good at it or it didn't keep my interest or it wasn't what I thought it was. But most of the time I quit because I would see something else that looked like it could maybe be better or I could be better doing it, whether it was a job or a business, whatever it was. I just wanted to be good at something. So most of the time I would quit whatever it was I was doing, thinking that there was something else that would either keep my attention or I might be able to be better at it. Let's talk about what it takes to finish what you started. I'm an expert at quitting, and I've been able to turn that around. So for the first 25 years of my life, everything I did, I quit. And I mean everything. I mean literally everything. When I walked across the stage at Michigan State to receive my diploma, I couldn't believe I was doing that. I could not believe I'd finished something. I think that was the first thing in my entire life I'd ever finished. Anything else I ever started, I quit. Not because I felt defeated, but usually because something else got my attention. I got bored or I thought I wasn't good at it, so I just quit, you know? And I continued that pattern through the first probably five or six years or more of my life after college. So I started 
lots of different businesses. Or I took the LSAT and I started applying to law schools in Michigan. And I thought, well, I don't know, this doesn't really have my attention. So I'm going to move to California and I'm going to study and take the LSAT there. And I'm going to start this business and I'll start that business. And each business that I started, I would get just far enough to go, eh, there's other people who are a lot better at this than me. I'm never going to be as good as they are. So I should just quit because I bet there's something, oh, that thing, I could do that thing. And that thing, I'd probably be really good at it. So I'm going to quit this and I'm going to go do that. And I did that over and over and over and over again. I did not know how to finish anything. And that doesn't just mean jobs or my profession. I didn't know how to finish a project in my home. I didn't know how to finish the laundry. I could start it. I could start the laundry. I could start folding, but I never put it all away. I could start the dishes, but I never finished. I could start all kinds of projects, cleaning out a room or a craft project, whatever it was. I was really freaking good at starting. But then I would be like, okay, bored. And I would either lose interest or just jump to something else. And a part of me felt like it was because, oh, I'm good at a lot of things. So I'm going to keep switching gears and trying a lot of different things. And I would kind of tell myself that, but I never felt good about the fact that things weren't finished. And, you know, it got to a point in my life where I'm like, okay, so other people finish things and I don't finish anything. Yes, at the time I didn't know I had extreme case of ADD. And I'm glad I didn't know that because I had to figure out how to cope with the fact that I couldn't focus on anything long enough to finish it. Eventually I had to learn how to focus. And focus is, of course, one really important critical step of being able to finish something. I'm going to give you six critical steps that you can master so that you can learn to finish things. Are you ready? All right, so take some notes because this is going to help you. Now, if you are a perfectionist, this is not for you because perfectionists never stop doing things. So this is for those of us who aren't perfectionists. We're like, yeah, good enough, and we move on. In fact, we don't even finish things. We just move on. A perfectionist usually will stick to something and keep working on it, keep working on it. In fact, they never quit. That's the problem. This is not for my perfectionists. This is for those of you who just never finish anything or you have a hard time finishing things. I'm a reformed quitter, okay? So the first thing you have to do is be more selective. I use my priority clarity statement to decide what things really make sense for me to start. That's number one. Number two, is I look at how much time will this really take and what is the true payoff and how interested am I going to be in this long term? You have to ask yourself, how interested am I going to be in this to the end, to the point of completion? Because we all know, I did it today. I caught myself, I'm like, what am I doing? I'm not gonna finish this. I shouldn't even start it. I know I'm not gonna finish this. I shouldn't even start it. So. The first thing you have to do is be very selective about the things you think you need to start. Just ask yourself, stop and say, okay, am I really going to be interested, so interested in this pile of laundry that I'm going to finish it? You know what I mean? Like whatever it is. You really have to ask yourself though, am I going to finish this? Number two is you have to give yourself short-term objectives. One of the reasons why we don't love finishing projects is because we're like, eh, we're looking for that payoff. It's an endorphin rush. I don't know, you kind of get like a little high when you start a, like a new project. You're like, oh, look at this thing I can do or look at this project I can take on. And it gives you a little bit of a rush. 
So, you know, we're kind of adrenaline junkies, those of us who like to quit things and start new things all the time. And part of that is because we like the way it feels when we start something. Well, that same feeling you can create by setting shorter term objectives, meaning instead of thinking like 10 days out or even 30 days out, think like five days out. Instead of thinking a year that you're going to work on your goal, think 90 days. Instead of saying to yourself, well, I'm going to finish organizing the garage this weekend. Instead of doing that, say, I'm going to finish this four foot by four foot space in the garage this weekend. That's a short-term objective. And you're like, I did it. And you'll feel good about it. And then you can go back and do another four feet by four feet, whatever it is. If I may, I'd like to backtrack slightly and say that when you're being selective, you also have to ask yourself, is this the right time to start this project? Case in point, we're coming up on the holidays. And I've been thinking to myself as I'm like, pulling things out of closets. We need to do a clean sweep. My thought process this week, I said, I need to rent a dumpster and everybody's going to go through this house inch by inch, room by room, and we're going to throw some things out. Why do I have all this stuff? What is this? Some of these things in this box I haven't seen, but I need some of them. And I started to go there and I thought, okay, be selective. Because if you start on this right now, sister, you are not going to finish it because you have bigger fish to fry. You have a lot of things to do and we can do this later. So I needed to be selective and I'm going to give myself a pat on the back because in the past I would have started that and left it halfway. Instead, I just said, nope, okay, not a good time to start this project. Number three, okay, this is going to hurt. This is going to sting. Okay, so if you've got, you know, someone's hand that you can squeeze right now, or if you can just take a deep breath in, because this is going to sting, it's going to hurt, but someone's got to say this to you. And I feel like it should be me because I've been in your shoes but this is going to hurt. And I just have to say this to you because I love you and I care about you. And I'm just going to say it. Are you ready? Here we go. Stop being a jumper. Just stop. You know you're a jumper. You know when you start things that you're going to jump. You're the people who buy a book and you know, you know full well you're not going to finish it. You're the ones who you join maybe an online academy and you're like, I'm really into this. But in the back of your mind, you know, you know, the next time something like interesting comes along, you're going to stop doing what you're doing. You're going to waste your investment by jumping. You're the ones who you get into a relationship and you're like, yeah, I know I'm not going to marry this dude. Stop jumping. Finish what you started. You need to stop being a jumper. You know why? Because jumpers never finish anything. Jumpers, all they do is feel this overwhelming sense that they're missing out, this overwhelming sense that they blew it, this overwhelming sense that they're a quitter. And you're not a quitter. You're really good at doing things. You're really good at starting things. You have a lot of confidence. Jumpers are very, very courageous, but you have too much courage. See, jumpers are like, yeah, I'll try that. Let's go. Let's try it. And you just jump. You don't worry about the consequences. You don't feel that sense of obligation to finish things. And that's a problem, jumpers. So what do you do? You just decide. You have to be truthful with yourself. The truth will set you free. And I know that's a cliche, but it is true that when you are honest with yourself, you can stop blaming other people. You can stop saying, well, it wasn't that great of a book. Or, well, it wasn't that good of a course. Or, well, he wasn't the right guy. Or, well, it just wasn't for me. No, the truth is you jumped. And there's no one else to blame. You have to sit in that truth. And you have to stop blaming. You have to stop pointing fingers. These are the people who start businesses. You know, I see it all the time because I help a lot of entrepreneurs, people who start an online business. 
and they start a podcast or they start an MLM business or they start a coaching business or they start, you know, pursuing a new career or a part-time gig or whatever. And they always say this, it just wasn't for me. No, that's a lie. We don't even know if it's a lie because you jumped. And that's the truth. I quit early. Just say it. I quit early. I don't know if it was for me. I don't know if that was the guy I should have married. I don't know if that job would have been my purpose. I don't know if I could have been a professional singer. I'm just kidding. I'm certain of that because I haven't quit singing. But you don't know if it's really for you because you quit early. So quit jumping is what I'm saying. And I know that stings a little bit, but you just don't know unless you really finish. Finish what you started. Finish what you started. So that at least you know, you know you gave it your all. Tip number four is to have accountability. And there's a couple of ways to have accountability. And this is what I mean. You know you're a jumper and so does the people who know you the best. They know it too. You don't want them to point it out, but they know it and you know it. So what you need to do is give people permission to call you out. I read a book several years ago by the title Scrum, S-C-R-U-M. It's a book that's really written to help people who are in corporate America get ish done. Because if you've ever worked a corporate job, like nothing gets done. Nothing gets done unless you really understand how to operate. At Powder Blue Productions, we knew how to get things done. And now the company that I own, Team Johnson, we know how to get things done because we follow these principles of Scrum. But you can apply these same principles to you as an individual. The most important of which I want you to remember is this, finish what you started before you move on. That's a principle of Scrum. Now, I have to have accountability around me because my team knows everything I see or hear about. I'm like, oh, we should do that. And they're like, we will when this is done. And I've given them permission to say, not yet, not now, when this is done, maybe. Because I'm the boss. So you don't feel comfortable necessarily saying that, right, to your boss unless I have said that your job is to make sure that we don't do things before this is done. And they're really, really good at it. The other person that I gave permission to do that to, I don't even know if I gave him permission to, but he assumed the position is my husband. I'll say, oh my God. So I heard this thing while I was in my car and I was listening to the radio and I heard this thing and he'll go, honey, we're not doing that now. Not now. Maybe when XYZ is done, I'm always like, okay, you're right. But you see, in the past, he didn't do that. In our previous marriage, see, we've had two marriages, my husband. We, oh God, that's going to get misinterpreted. We've been married for more than, I think, 22 years. I'm not sure. I'd have to do the math. But, but I like to think of it as we've had, like, we've had two marriages within that marriage because there was a point at which we finally went to marriage counseling and realized that we weren't really telling each other what we felt. And he wasn't telling me when I would take on new projects that it was too much. He wasn't telling me that. And I thought that he wanted me to take on new projects. I thought he wanted us to do more. And I felt all this pressure like to do more, do more, do more. He felt all this pressure to just go along with it. And I'm like, oh my God, I was killing myself. And he's like, yeah, you were killing both of us. And I didn't want to say anything. So now since we went to marriage counseling and now we're really much better communicators, now he'll just tell me like, no, that's too stressful. No, we're not doing that. And it's great for me too, because now I don't feel all that pressure. I felt like I had to do more to keep him happy 
And now I understand what I thought I understood. Like for probably 15 years, I thought, well, that body language means he wants me to do more. And then next, you have to know what triggers your desire to jump. I know what mine is. Mine is people and information. So here's how I keep myself accountable. I don't go to parties. Rarely. Why? Because I might meet someone new. And I like people a lot. I like to dig in. I like to ask them a million questions. I like to make their business my business. I like to fix things that they haven't asked me to fix. I like to create businesses for them when they haven't asked me to do that. I like to solve their problems when they haven't asked me to do that. So meeting new people for me is a disaster. It's a trigger. If I meet new people, I'm sidetracked. I'm off on a new project. I'm creating a new cluster, if you will. So I can't meet new people. It's a rare situation where I can. I know that sounds strange, but I just know that of myself. Like, you know, I'm in this industry where people are like, oh, we want to invite you to this amazing mixer with blah, 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 and blah, blah, blah. Oh, the most amazing people are going to be there. I go, please take my name off that list. I can't. I will not. I shall not. I won't not. I cannot. Don't do it to me. Because if I do that, it's going to hurt me and it's going to hurt my family. I got enough ideas. I don't need to meet these creative types who have more ideas and, hey, we should do a thing together. Hey, what do you, have you ever heard of blah? And next thing you know, I'm completely, completely out of my mind distracted. So I don't go to parties. I really don't. And anytime someone's like, oh, I really want to introduce you to so-and-so, I'm like, I can't. No, don't. In the words of famous philosopher Drake, no new friends, no new friends, no new friends, no new friends. I've got amazing freaking people in my life right now and I don't have enough time for them. I can't risk meeting one more amazing person. You know what I'm saying? Like there's just not enough time. There's not enough hours in the day. There's not enough days in the week. There's not enough weeks in the month to meet more amazing people when I've got so many amazing people in my life already and I don't have enough time to devote to them. So I just have to get better at focusing on the people who are already in my life. And then the other thing that I do is I am very aware that information is sometimes distracting to me. So I create kind of a fortress around my focus. So I try to specifically avoid any information or knowledge or education that will distract me until I'm through that season. So if I'm trying to learn how to master, say, going live on Facebook, that's all I'm going to study. I'm not going to study how to boost my podcast numbers. I'm not going to study how to get more flexible. At the moment, I'm consumed with everything I can find about body type and metabolism and the types of exercise that people should be doing. And that's it. Now, I can easily stumble upon a little side rabbit hole and find myself intrigued by the different types of strength training and how it affects your body, but I can't. And I have to remind myself, no, you're in a season and I finish that season. So my fourth point was to stay accountable. You give somebody else the ability, permission to keep you accountable. And secondly, you have to know yourself what is a trigger for you. For me, new people are triggers. I don't do social events. I try not to network. I know that sounds weird, but I can't. I really can't. Because if I network, I'm gone. I'm so ineffective. I'll network if I need to. Like if I reach a point like I'm trying to learn something new and I really need to, you know, connect with the right kind of people with that particular season. But other than that, I just try not to. All right, let's move on. Number five. You ready? 
number five is you have to know when you're done. And you have to tell yourself in advance, I will be done when this. You've got to put it in writing. You've got to define the end. Otherwise, you'll kind of keep trying to say, well, that's good enough, right? Like I'm done, right? Have you ever been in the doctor's office and you're just filling out these forms and filling out these forms? And I'm sure you've done this, where you fill out the fronts of all the forms and you quickly walk up to the gal at the reception's desk and you hand her your little clipboard and you're walking back to your chair and you just know what she's going to say. And she'll go, oh, excuse me, there's a few you missed? And you're like, dang it, right? Because you knew you weren't done. You knew you were rushing through it and you knew you were just trying to get it over with. So my final tip for you is this. You have to know what it is you will define as being done, finished. For myself, whatever project it is we're working on as a team, because in my office, we have a team. So this will apply to those of you who work in an office environment or with lots of other people. You have to decide, okay, in this project, what constitutes me being done? Like legit done. I'm never going to look at this again, or at least for a while. And then if you're an individual, you do the same thing. You just say to yourself, okay, what constitutes being done, being finished? And I might say to many of you that you're not done. Jumpers, we like things to be good enough, and then we jump to the next thing. And when we do that, we miss an opportunity to make something better because we're so eager to jump to the next thing that we sometimes don't realize we can make what we have better. Case in point, your marriage, your relationships. And I do believe that a lot of people fail to make it better. They just jump. They're like, eh, this isn't that good. Something else is new and sparkly and exciting and I'm going to jump. Where you could go back, you, you could go back and try to make you better and therefore have a different perspective on the relationship. Maybe it's a friendship. Maybe it's a job. Maybe you're feeling that way about your job and you just want to do something new, but maybe you could make your job better. Consider if you really need to be drastic about the action, if you really need to jump or if what the right thing to do is to make things better. I want you right now to give me one thing. Just say it out loud. Give me one thing right now that you know you need to and you will finish or you will go back to and make it better. Give me one thing that you know you need to finish. You know you need to finish it and you're going to. You commit to it right now or you're going to make something better. Know when it's not working and it is time to move on. That's rarely a problem for those of us who aren't great at finishing things. Rarely. But sometimes it is. Sometimes we won't let go of something because it's on our bucket list, but it doesn't make sense. It's not working. It's not working for you. It's not working for other people. It just, when you look at your priority statement, what's important to you, you know, what guides you in this life, it, it just doesn't fit. And you're trying to make it fit because you've either told people you were going to or it was on your bucket list or for ego purposes, you just don't want to quit. In those instances, I think it's time to jump. But you'll know. You just have to be honest with yourself. And if you're having true difficulty discerning whether it is time to jump ship or, you know, move on, then seek the advice of a wise man. Seek the advice of wise counsel, if you will. I think it's important to talk to someone who isn't biased, 
but who really is going to tell it like it is and let you know if in fact it's time for you to move on, you know? Not that that's the be all end all, but I think you just know. I really think we know when it's time to move on and sometimes we refuse to because we're too proud and that's not good either. Thank you so much for your kind reviews on iTunes. You are the reason why I love doing this. You are the bomb.com. This episode of The Shalene Show, That's My Mom, is brought to you by UnwrappedSnap.com, the place to go for parents who want to be in the know. Whether you're a parent who wants to be more informed or you just don't really understand how to use Snapchat, this is the course for you. For a limited time, I'm offering lifetime access for only $29.99 with a full money-back guarantee. Thanks in advance for checking it out. And don't forget to follow Ninja Parent on your favorite social media apps.